0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at jet one And I am joined by a very frequent guest on this program. He is, of course, the great beat reporter from NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media, Mr. Daryl Slater, father flannel himself. Daryl, what's going on, man?
1: Not too much. Just enjoying the nice weather, getting ready for some downtime. We've got a little downtime already and then got some more coming up before training camp starts. So, uh, nice time of year.
0: Absolutely, plenty of downtime on the way for the reporters who cover the beat. Chris Nibley thought he was going to get in on that early and ended up having to rush back from his vacation on the Jersey Shore after the Jets made a bunch of moves in the front office. Joe Douglas adding some key lieutenants there. We discussed that news last week, but there's more news coming out this week, the biggest of which would be the Jets' practice schedule. A lot of people are not happy about this, Daryl.
1: Yeah, the Jets have four publicly open practices in in training camp. They they also have the green and white scrimmage at Rutgers. But if you're just talking about practices in Florham Park, there are only four of those. Now they have two practices that are open to summer camps only, which means like kids who attend summer camp, which is like a very small portion of the population. So uh, that's not really a publicly open practice. That that doesn't count. Um, You know, if you if you're 35 years old and find a way to get to go to a summer camp with eight year old kids, well then. You probably deserve to be in prison, but anyway, you can you can you can go to that kid. You can go to that Jets practice, I guess. But so there are four, and last year there were um, three. But remember, the Jets did spend a week in in, in Richmond and, and three practices down there training uh, with Washington and, and their joint practices. So if you compare this to 2017, uh, I believe the Jets had six open publicly open practices that year fully open to the public not vips not summer camps fully open to the public i think in 2016 they had eight um on the story we we had on the website that should be on there if you want to go check my what i'm saying there but uh if so if you throw out last year because the jets didn't have all you know they went away for a week uh this four practices is definitely fewer than six or eight which is what they had 2017 and 2016 which were comparable years in terms of uh them being in forum park for the entirety of, of training camp so yeah four is not a lot again you don't really count the summer camp and if you set aside the green and white scrimmage we'll touch some our practices like as alan average would say not uh not the green and white scrimmages it doesn't quite roll off the tongue as easily but uh but yeah so not a lot and one of the reasons the jets have kind of come out and Look, I mean, this is all up to the coach. The coach dictates this stuff. So if you don't like it, then it's one more thing for you to be upset with Adam Gase about if you're upset with him about anything at all in the first place. So um, that's part of it. And the Jets have kind of said, oh, look, you know, there's there's construction in the area. Uh, you know, there, are, there is construction around that, that happens that's been happening in the surrounding areas around the Jets facility. So that has kind of eliminated some of the parking access, but if they wanted to open more practices to the public, they absolutely could. They could find a way to make it happen. Uh, what they do now, what they did last year and what they are doing this year, we wrote the same story. I think the story, the same headline. Why are there so few publicly open practices? Well, last year it was the the training camp joint practices contributed to it. The construction stuff contributed to it. And they're doing what they did this year, which is they're having those open practices on the weekends. And one of the reasons being more people can come on the weekends, obviously. Uh, but also um, parking is a, a little more, more open on the weekends in terms of uh, – some of those lots at the, at the buildings around aren't being used by the employees at those office buildings. So the jets can, can use those lots on the weekend. So, but look, if they wanted to find a way to do it and have more publicly open practices, they could certainly do it. If they wanted to find a way to have publicly open practices during the week, they could do it. Uh, this is, you know, for better or worse, this is the way that they're deciding to do things. It's obviously not going to impact whether they're a good team this year or not, but, uh, you know, when you're trying to build relations with a fan base after your team has won 14 games combined in the last three years, um, maybe not the best way. But but ultimately, winning cures all. So if they win games, people are not going to care if this is the way things unfolded in the summer. And, uh, yeah, look, I mean, for the, for the Jets to say, like, no one would show up during the middle of the week is kind of silly. This is, this is the biggest metro area in the entire country. There's enough people that have summer time off you know, people, parents who can stay home with their kids, uh, during the week and all these kids are off during the summer. So I don't know. I mean, my mom was a teacher, so I guess that was different, but I don't know who, who watches these kids during the week, during the summertime, but with their parents, both work. Uh, but yeah, so they could find a way to like, get a decent amount of people there during the week. I'm sure, um, if they wanted to open the practices during the week and if they wanted to try to find a way to navigate some of the parking issues, they could, but this is what they've chosen to do. And, um. I guess uh, fans will have to kind of deal with it. And the green and white scrimmage being at Rutgers, again, uh, I think what complicated that, I didn't really dig too deep into this, quite frankly, but uh, if you look at those dates, I think MetLife Stadium last year was unavailable because of a Jay-Z concert or something like that. Well, I think this time around it maybe coincides with the Rolling Stones rescheduled dates because Mick Jagger had that heart surgery. They, the Stones had to bump their tour to a, uh, a few months later so i think that's what's happening there and that's maybe why it might be at Rutgers. i'm not sure anyway bottom line it's at, R- it's at Rutgers. quite frankly if you don't live in the central jersey area don't bother going the green and white scrimmage at least has been a practice under todd balls it's kind of a waste of time Rutgers stadium is not that nice uh it's a parking kind of disaster down there so i mean look you don't. You don't need to spend your time going to that. If you don't. look, if that's your only opportunity to see the team, and you really want to do it, go for it. Um, but you'd probably be better served just going on StubHub and getting a ticket for ten bucks to the, an actual preseason game, where you can actually see some more game action. So that's sort of how it all breaks down.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Daryl, I guess if the Jets have a scheduling conflict with the Rolling Stones, one might say that the Jets would have mixed emotions about making their fans sad, 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 that they won't get no satisfaction.
1: There you go. Will Adam Gase come to the Jets emotional rescue? I mean
0: I think that's the uh Will Joe Douglas tattoo you like he's tattooed himself? That's what we're gonna find out this (laughs) (laughs) offseason in training camp. A little bit of Rolling Stones humor. Google it, kids. Trust me, the Rolling Stones are a band that is well worth your time. But I will say this, Daryl. When I used to go to training camp practices at Hofstra, there were always people there, no matter what time of day and no matter what day of the week. There's always people that will take one day off a week or leave work early one day or something like that. And the place fills up. It's not necessarily going to be packed to the brim like it would be at the stadium for an actual game, but there's always a strong crowd at these things. I think that, like you said, if the Jets really wanted to make this happen and have the fans there and build that relationship, they could easily find a way to do it.
1: For sure. I think they could, but they're not doing it. And um, look, I mean, if, if, if folks don't like it, if you don't like anything the team's doing, you don't have to go, go to the games, you know, don't go to the games. Uh, at that, uh, that's the ultimate thing. You pay with your wallet or you vote with your wallet, I should say. So, um, but look, I mean, the bottom line is people who really want to go to the games are going to go and they're probably not going to be deterred by how many open training camp practices that the team has. So, but, uh, yeah, if you don't like the direction the team is going, you, you don't have to go to the games. Uh, but, uh, but I'm sure there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of people who are heavily invested in the team, who really like the direction the team is going, and well they should. And well they should. And they should want to get out and see these guys. And it's unfortunate that they're not gonna have more opportunities to do it. And, you know, quite frankly, it's unfortunate that they're gonna to have to haul down to Rutgers on uh, a Friday night or whatever to be able to see these guys if they can't get out there for one of the training camp practices, if they really want to do that. Um, but like I said, I think the preseason might be, you know, spend the ten bucks. Just save your gas money. Don't go to Rutgers. <laughs> that stadium, I know they upgraded it, but it's not that nice. It's impossible to get in there. Uh, there's nothing interesting down there. I mean, it's just, I, you know, but people are going to be crushing me here, I guess. <laughs> Rutgers people maybe. But, <laughs> like, uh, just it would be nice to see them change it up and do it um, – do it on long Island or something like that. I mean, that would be a commuting nightmare for, for me, but I mean, just for just to shake it up a little bit, I get why they do it. Cause it's a centralized location and it is a legit stadium that they can hold a lot of people at. Uh, so it's probably their second best option, but, um, but it's not exactly, you know, an alluring place. And then from a traffic perspective, it's, it's, it can be kind of a pain in the neck. So at least it was for me last year trying to get in there and I could see, you know, some of the parking situations, people were parked way far out. Um, um, and, you know, it's just, I guess they have game traffic there during Rutgers games, but maybe the crowd at that game was probably similar, similar to what they get for Rutgers games. So
0: <laughs> I guess the moral of the story, Daryl, is if you want to be at a bunch of Jets practices this off season, volunteer as the counselor at a summer camp, because that's about <laughs> the only way you're going to get to see these practices. <laughs> yeah. You get
1: to see those too. You get to see those too. And then if you want, I don't know, I mean, I guess as we're talking here on Wednesday, I think the tickets go on sale for the on sale, but they're free. But the tickets are available for the general public tomorrow, Thursday. So we're talking here Wednesday night. And so uh, they were first available to season ticket holders. So if there's any left for those four practices in Florham Park, go for it. Go for it. I mean, it's a nice way to spend a Saturday. Look, I mean, like I was dogging on Rutgers. There's nothing to do out there. There's nothing to do in Florham Park here. <laughs> <Like, laughs> I guess Morristown's nearby, but there's nothing to do in Florham Park. I mean, it's a bedroom little, as people know, been out there, a little bedroom community. So, uh, But, yeah, look, maybe you can tailgate for the green and white scrimmage. I think that's that's the fun part maybe for people for it on a Friday night, go down there, get there early tailgate uh, or whatever. So yeah. the bottom line is this will have no bearing on whether the team's any good, but it's just something something to talk about certainly in, in late June.
0: You heard the man. Tickets are on sale for free right now at the Jets' website. (laughs) So if you want them, go ahead and get them before they are gone and you lose out on your chance to see one of the best players in the league under the age of 25, at least according to Sports Illustrated. You know who I'm talking about, Daryl. One Jet made that list. It's not really going to be a surprise to anybody. But why don't you go ahead and tell us who it is.
1: Yeah, Jamal Adams made the list, and so as I put up this list, best players, 25 and under. Sam Darnold was not on the list. I think there were only two quarterbacks on there, so Pat Mahomes and uh, I guess he goes by Patrick. His dad, the pitcher was Pat, but uh, and then uh, and then followed by uh, Baker Mayfield, which makes sense. So I guess Sam Darnold would, what, maybe be three? I don't know who else would be 25 and under who would be on that list among quarterbacks, but Jamal Adams was... Uh, He was actually third on the pecking order. He was So they listed starters, and I'm not sure who the starters were. You have to go look at that story that we did aggregating the the list. But, yeah, certainly one of the better young players in the league, no doubt about it, Uh, one of the better young safeties. Is he he the second-best, third-best young safety? Um, You know, that's up for debate. But, uh, you know, certainly got a bright future coming off a a really strong year last year, and uh, he'll be a huge, huge part of this Jets defense this year.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Darnold will get the opportunity to prove the people that made this list wrong this year. I understand why he's not on it right now because last year, while he played really well down the stretch, he had a lot of up and down moments. So if we're looking at this objectively, you could see why especially Mahomes, but also Mayfield would be ranked ahead of him at least at this moment, even if you think Darnold could be better than Mayfield, and I do think there's a strong possibility that happens. I will say, though, for those that think that Darnold got shortchanged, there's no way he got more shortchanged than the Jets fan base, which was ranked 20th in the fan base rankings. What's going on with that, Daryl?
1: Yeah, so Emory University in Atlanta always does these, every year they do these fan base rankings. And it's very data-based, data-oriented. Um, and they look at fan engagement, traveling on the road, and attendance. And then they sort of level it out for control factors like uh, you know losing. And they try to even it all out. And there's a metric and a formula. And there's a huge long explanation for it. So the Jets were 15th last year. This year, 20th. Um, so I guess that was based on what happened last year. In the 2019 rankings, based on what happened last year, they they were they're 20th. In the 2018 rankings, based on what happened in 2017, they were 15th. So uh, the top five was exactly the same from from this year to last year. Um, I don't know what the exact top five was. If the Cowboys were number one, the Giants were up there, Steelers. Uh, Eagles, who would have been the fifth team? I'm not sure. Um, Packers, probably. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it, they try to make it as objective as possible, but to me, I mean, it's still a fairly subjective thing. It's kind of fun to, to to read what the guy Michael Lewis is the name of the professor who does it, not to be confused with the guy who the author uh, who wrote uh, the Blind Side and uh, a bunch of other books. Um, but if you go on on the thing we wrote there about it, you can you can go on and, and read his his work. I didn't want to it's very dense you know his process for going through this so i think that's just as interesting as the rankings because you know they try to be as objective as possible anyone could just can just subjectively uh rank these things like who's the best fans um anyone can slap something like that together but it's neat how they try to make it make it data-based and data-oriented so yeah Go yell at him if you disagree with it, I guess. <laughs> his email, I'm presuming his email is available. That would be a fun story. How many insane emails does this professor get <laughs> every year <laughs> from fans about this thing? So, uh, But, yeah, it's up there, and he has a lengthy explanation about how he goes through it all, and it's kind of neat. So,
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I always enjoy studies like that that try to be empirical, but it really is such a subjective thing, even if you have a formula that's quote-unquote scientific because it's really hard to measure the intensity of a fan base. It's really more about, like I said, subjective things that you'll see in terms of crowd response. And then you can get into buying merchandise, buying tickets, television ratings and such. But I will say, and maybe I'm a little bit biased here, but I would imagine that the Jets are slightly higher than 20th. I think... Having been going to Jets games forever, having been involved talking to tons of Jets fans and hardcore fans, casual fans, people that buy merchandise, and just seeing the intensity of the fan base, for good or bad, and Daryl, we both know sometimes, the intensity goes the wrong way with this fan base. They are a very loyal bunch of people, especially since the Jets have had plenty of downs to go with some of the ups, and I would think that they'd be ranked higher than 20. I'd have to do a more scientific study, but that's my ultimate thought on that although I do recommend giving it a read because it is interesting. But something that's not scientific, Daryl, and that's really kinda strange, is that nine one one tape involving Levion Bell. We talked about this story a couple of weeks ago with Levion Bell getting robbed by two of his girlfriends, at least that's what he said in the police report. Now the nine one one audio comes out and it's well, interesting is a word I could use.
1: You know, the thing that struck me about it, I mean, it is amusing enough because no one was hurt. You know, he, he didn't get hurt. Nobody, he didn't hurt anybody. Nothing really bad happened. I think we've said made all these points before. Um, so you can kind of have a chuckle about it because it really, it's, he, they're just things, you know, that were maybe probably insured and that he maybe probably will get back or won't. And even if he doesn't, he's got, you know, plenty of money and he's still got his health and all that good, you know. So, but look, uh, the one, th- you, know, I, I, you know, you kind of, You don't want to laugh when someone gets robbed, which is what happened, but you kind of do have to chuckle a little bit at the circumstances of it all. Um, And the thing that kind of amused me about the 911 audio listening to it was uh, he sounded so calm. Like, he was really, really calm when he was calling 911. Like, he wasn't freaking out. Uh, Now, this amount of money that he had and all the things that he lost, I mean, it's a pretty small... It's a large amount, but right. But maybe it's like a, a not a huge fraction of his actual whole worth, right? So, <laughs> imagine losing that much valuable stuff and just being very calmly explaining to the uh, calmly explaining to the nine one one dispatcher what happened. If you listen to the audio, he's pretty calm throughout, um, and, he, and he, he's pretty straightforward, like telling uh, the dispatcher what happened. Uh, and he uh, yeah, he was asked to describe what the clothes the women were wearing when they left his house, and. Uh, he well, he said basically like I don't even know what clothes they were wearing that day at all because when he left for the gym, they were like naked in his bed. So there you go. So <laughs> he, was, he had a you know he had a night with these with these ladies and uh, and then he leaves them in his bed naked and they presumably got dressed before they took his stuff or maybe they took his stuff and then got dressed and then left allegedly. Uh, so <laughs> it just adds another layer to what is a fairly bizarre. And, and in the grand scheme of things, a harmless story. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I haven't heard anything about whether they've caught these people or whatever. Uh, who knows if he, like, even knew what their names were. I mean, he had their phone numbers, I guess, he said. Um, so, surely, there has to be a way, if he had the, the phone numbers of these people for the authorities, to track them down. Um, but I don't know what to what level he had any kind of extensive relationship with any with these people uh or or how he came to meet them or anything like that so look it's a young guy with a lot of money uh and having having some fun you know having what is pretty harmless fun or was i guess and you know still is all things considered got some stuff stolen but uh but but you know i'm sure uh this could have been rectified if he just locked his stuff up. But I, but the, the weird thing is maybe he was just forgetful or maybe he trusted these people. Uh, this will be honestly like, I don't care about asking him about football next time I see him. I just want to know like, how did this happen? Like, yeah, just, I want to know, like fill in the blanks here. Like, uh, cause I think it's just fascinating on like a, uh, on a glimpse into the life of an athlete, uh, level i think and i think that's what people kind of get a kick out of with all this is like this is kind of a glimpse into the private life of, of a guy who is very much a celebrity and like extremely a celebrity for people who pay attention to the jets um so we don't get this peek behind the curtain all that often i mean he's not he's not putting stuff on his instagram story about how he's waking up naked in bed with two women i mean he's putting stuff on there about working out if you see his instagram story you know he works out he lets you know he works out he works out a lot uh, and there's a lot of workout videos on there. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, that's about it from him, you know, on there in terms of his social media presence. Kind of mundane stuff, very controlled. Uh, and these guys have very controlled messages and, and glimpses behind the curtains that they provide. So when something like this comes out, very salacious, very raw, very real, I think it, it kind of uh, piques people's interest a little bit because, like, oh man, this is like what really is going on in this dude's life, or at least was in that moment. So I think that's that's sort of uh, a part of it that I think people uh, get a voyeurist to kind of kick out of. And uh, certainly that, that, that 911 call audio resonated with a lot of people who, you know, took a chance to poke, poke fun at lady on bell about it. And, and, and I think you can have a little bit of a laugh because like I said, no one got hurt. I mean, it's not like someone came into his house, you know, hurt him, hurt one of his loved ones and took his stuff, you know, to everything we know, I mean, nobody was actually hurt in, in this. So uh, I think it would be hysterical if he showed up at his next press conference wearing all of the jewelry that was stolen <laughs> and just, and just, oh, I got it back. So uh, anyway, but yeah, that's the latest on that.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Bell's relatively calm reaction when calling 911 reminded me a little bit of a friend of mine who got married a few years ago. And the wedding hall messed everything up. When he got there, they had no record of them renting the wedding hall. Oh, God. Everything was completely screwed up in terms of the food and the drinks and the guests and everything. And my friend was somebody that... Didn't really show emotion much. So he walked outside and I said to him, is everything okay? And his exact response was, I'm quite perturbed right now. So that's kind of <laughs> what it made me think of when listening to Le'Veon Bell on that date. Because Le'Veon Bell was about as calm as you could ever imagine for somebody dealing with something like that. Same way that my friend was the night of his wedding. Because I'll never forget him saying that and thinking to myself, man, I'd be punching a hole in the wall right now. <laughs>
1: I mean, I was—I get more frazzled when I'm on, like, the phone with Optimum Cable than, like, he was there. Like, I'm, I get, like, more agitated, like, 30 seconds into, like, calling the cable company and trying to, like, figure out what's going on than, than, I, than he was there. So, I guess grace under fire, you know, I don't know what, you, what you'd call it, but there you go. <laughs>
0: I guess that means that Le'Veon Bell is not going to let anybody on the football field get under his skin because if he's not bothered by that amount of jewelry being stolen from him, I don't think that he's going to be upset when somebody from the opposing team talks a little trash, right?
1: Yeah, I'm sure he's going to hear it. I'm sure he's going to hear it from people on the field about getting robbed or whatever, about being being a dummy for like leaving himself horrible, But what? what's the retort? You know, like. I'm really rich and I woke up with two women naked in my bed. Okay. (laughs) And I can afford to lose all this jewelry, I guess. Uh, But yeah, I'm sure he'll hear it on the field for sure.
0: Last order business, Daryl involves two former Jets quarterbacks. One of them, a legend, One of them, a good guy and a solid hand, but wouldn't exactly call him a legend. First, Joe Namath, who came out with the stunning proclamation that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. I know. I'm shocked, too, Daryl. And the other is Josh McCown, who actually just retired. We talked about that with your partner on the beat, Matt Stipulkowski, last week. And he came out with some wide receiver rankings for ESPN that praised a different Patriot, but... Unlike Namath, his praise was a little strange, so let's talk about this. Namath's comments about Brady, and then Josh McCown going a little off the reservation, ranking wide receivers in the NFL.
1: So Joe Namath has got a book out. Um, I have no idea if it's any good or whatever. I think it's an authorized biography. So, uh, I mean, that, that Mark Kriegel book that was written years ago, and the Showtime or HBO documentary, probably covers it all when it comes to what you'd actually want to read about Joe, but there you go. Joe's got a book out and uh, he's promoting and he's talking to anybody and everybody trying to promote it. And he went on Howard Stern and, and uh, I'm sure there were way more interesting parts of it. Joe Namath interview with Howard Stern than him saying that Tom Brady is an awesome quarterback, but I guess that's what popped up and was, you know, I don't have serious XM, so I did not hear the whole interview. But I saw su- I someone aggregated it, and that's how it works. You know, this stuff like spreads out. So, um, yeah, I mean, he stated the obvious. Tom Brady's the best quarterback of all time. Uh, so there you go. But uh, I mean, I would, I would love to go back and listen to. Now, I'm sure if he said anything truly salacious, uh, it would be on there. Quite frankly, I would be more amused to hear Howard try to get like old war stories out of him, which by that I mean probably, like, sex stories. Uh, <laughs> I think it would be, like, juvenilely amusing. I'm sure if he had said anything, like, really, truly tantalizing, it would have made its way out. But, uh, you know, and, and just the typical uh, amusement of listening to Howard Stern, and, and I don't much anymore, just, you know, hearing him trying to goad people into saying something, and, you know, Robin and whoever's on the show now, uh, with him, uh, kind of, kind of laughing along with it all. But, uh, but yeah, so Joe Namie said that. And then, and then Josh McCown, who I don't, don't think is ever going to go on Howard Stern, (laughs) uh, (laughs) was on ESPN and he was, he ranked his top five receivers in the NFL. I don't know who he, I don't know who all he put in there. He put in some of the obvious guys, but he left out Antonio Brown. He left out DeAndre Hopkins and he included Julian Edelman, which is weird. Uh, Maybe not as weird as it would have been if he had included Julian with Antonio Brown and DeAndre Hopkins, but he left those guys out, which was kind of bizarre. But, you know, I mean, if, on the other hand, do you want a guy, you know, does ESPN want a guy, I should say, offering just milk toast opinions on there? No, they want a guy who's going to say something that's buzzy. Would it, would it have resonated if Josh McCown said something completely basic on, on there? No, but now everybody knows Josh McCown's an analyst for ESPN because he said something a little, a little out of the ordinary. So there you go. That's sort of how it all works with that. If you care to watch ESPN or care to watch sports TV at all beyond the games, which, quite frankly, I don't, I don't see the value in it. Just watch the games. The, the rest of it is kind of fluff. But but that's really what it is. Especially this time of year, it's it's a lot of fluff and it's a lot of barstool chatter. And I'm sure there was some barstool chatter about, hey, did you see what Josh McCown said about? Uh, Maybe there wasn't. I don't know. But uh, mm-hmm. it, did you see what he said about top five receivers and who he left out? Hey, that's kind of weird. And there you go. And that's how ESPN keeps the keeps the content machine churning by uh, by by keeping stuff like that up there. So. Uh, I think John, You know, in the bigger picture, I mean, who cares? Whatever, it's his opinion. Like, I, you're gonna like burn the guy at the stake for saying, you know, that Julian Elman's a top five receiver. I think it's crazy that he didn't include Antonio Brown and De- DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, come on, but uh, but whatever. And uh, I think it'll be interesting when it comes to you know actual analysis how he does. I think he's a really smart guy. And I think Matt probably talked to you about this last week, but, but when it comes to like actual stuff, not like give me your rankings yeah, and like, but how about like break down this play for me? Like what's going on here? What's the quarterback thinking? What does he see? What's went wrong? What went right on the play? That stuff is, a, is I think really useful. Um, and I kind of poo-pooed the, you know, these studio shows or whatever. And for the most part, they're garbage. But, uh, but some of this stuff, because remember that edge NFL matchup show that was really fascinating. And I, you know people didn't watch it it's too smart for people they want you know they dumb everything down and they, it's the debate culture and all of that and that, that's what rises to the top so but in the, op- the few opportunities these guys get to kind of break down x's and o's i think it'll be really interesting to see how josh does with that um because uh he is good he's really smart he can get a little long-winded as i'm like rambling about him being long-winded uh but he can get a little long-winded so when you're on tv let's see if he can kind of tighten it up and be concise and, and explain things really well. Uh, I'm sure they'll work with him on that. But he's very affable. Um, uh, he's a good looking dude, so he'll be he'll probably do well on TV. And uh, in terms of uh, you know being comfortable and, and and looking comfortable on TV and uh, and I think it'll be an interesting thing. And plus, you know, it's it's probably going to be a very much of a part time thing for him. Let him be around his family and his kids a lot more. Um, which will be cool for him because his, his boys are getting into playing football and all that stuff. So he was definitely an engaging guy to cover, no doubt. Uh, really, really smart, really sharp guy. Uh, and uh, and I uh, hope he does well for himself with that. I think it will be a, a, a cool challenge. And, you know, allow him to just not sit around at the house, you know, allow him to kind of stay involved. And it's got to be easy money. I mean, it's got to be such easy money. Um, but I'm sure he'll try to do a good job with it uh, as well.
0: My quick takeaways here are that Joe Namath is completely correct and it's not really a surprise to anybody that he would think that Brady's the best quarterback because Brady is the best quarterback. And as far as McCown, his opinion's insane, but like you said, let's see what happens with this. I, too, don't believe much in these studio shows. I think they're generally a waste of time. And if you want smart coverage, you go to places like PlayLikeAJetNJ.com. and NJ.com, right, Daryl? Oh, exactly.
1: Exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth.
0: (laughs) 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 So continue to do that. And on that note, I should say that enough of you have done so that I'm going to announce here – And, Daryl, you've been a big part of making this happen. So, thank you for coming on with me so many times and helping to draw people in to listen to this podcast. But between myself and Joe Caparoso, the TOJ digital brand has now hit half a million audio downloads for the year. So, thank you so much to everybody who keeps listening to the podcast. And, Daryl, like I said, thank you so much for being such a big part of helping to make that happen.
1: Yeah. No problem. Happy to help. And yeah, you guys do a great job. So that's pretty awesome. And I guess that means, uh, if it's not a million. Then it's going to be disappointment, right? Well, I don't know. <laughs> when did you hit a half million? Was it through the end of June? Right. So we're six months in. So it's got it. You got to get to a million easily, right? That's, uh, that's gotta be the goal. So, uh, yeah, I hadn't, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. So I'm glad you mentioned that, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to kind of come on and, 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 uh, and help, help uh, contribute to that and help uh, sh- shoot the bull with you he- on here about, about jet stuff and a lot of other things we end up rambling about.
0: As long as the Jets aren't outright terrible this year, I'm hoping that during the season the numbers pick up, and we well surpass 1 million, so we'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah. But again, thank you so much to everybody who helped make this happen, everybody that comes on the show, everybody that listens to the show, Joe Caparoso, who has built such a great platform over at TOJ, And like I said, let's keep our fingers crossed and hope that the Jets cooperate, give us a fun season, and people are really interested to listen throughout the year because the last couple years they've been bad, so people haven't been as into it during the season. But as we saw with the Browns last year, once things start to pick up, So does fan interest. So let's go Jets this year, not only because I'm a huge Jets fan and I want to see them win, but also I'd like to see more people listening to this podcast. We've done strong numbers, and I think we can do even better going forward. So looking forward to the challenges that lay ahead. Daryl, you will continue to be a big part of that for as long as you keep picking up the phone when I call you. So thanks again for coming on this week. Really appreciate it. Before you go, why don't you let everybody know what you and your partner Matt Stipelkowski have cooking up at nj.com
1: yeah we got a bunch of uh season look ahead stuff and just your typical offseason rankings type stuff on there i mean it's kind of a slow season uh right now but uh but yeah that's it's pretty it's you're pretty pretty much uh looking ahead to position by position stock reports going into training camp so we have a bunch of those up there and then just sort of where the Jets fall in some of these NFL-wide ranking type things, which everyone seems to like to do around this time of year just because it's something to do. So, yeah, I appreciate everybody reading, and appreciate you having me on, as always.
0: Go ahead and read Matt and Daryl over at NJ.com. Follow Daryl and Matt on Twitter. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.